You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. This episode is a highlight clip from this week's full episode. To listen in on the complete conversation, see the show notes for the link to the complete show. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate every bit of your support. I'm Morgan McKittrick, your producer, and this is Decidedly. told me once the way that we feel the way that other people make us feel is the way that they're feeling right so when people are acting out uh and telling us to screw off and go Mm -hmm. away or 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 making us feel jealous or whatever um making us feel worthless it's like that's what they're feeling Um, projection that's interesting you know that that's how you were feeling whether it was Mm. uh, i don't want to put words to to your own emotions no not at all no that is yeah no absolutely yeah it was a total it was a total projection as i don't know if you caught and i said it just kind of the anger was i wasn't angry at all yeah all these people and like i mean i was really cutting off people left right and center for the most silliest of things when actually i wasn't angry at them at all i was just so upset and just so deeply angry angry at the universe at the world for taking my mum away when I was 19 years old and she was 51 it just felt like such an injustice and that we had been done so dirty by the world um and it's only yeah through the podcast that I've learned to I've learned what that actually was and actually naming it and and being accountable to myself actually I think for a long time I uh I almost justified my actions to people and to myself um, as well. Yeah, you 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 justify it, and you're like X Y Z. Okay, other if you don't justify it, you're horrible. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like you're an evil, evil person. You always have to justify what you're doing. Yeah, you always have to justify. And then kind of, I held my hands up, but I was like. Oh no, even if I just like, okay, I'm justifying it, but I still was a bit of an asshole at some times. And knowing that that I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't ever want to go back to that place. Um, and I, I've learned to forgive myself as well. Gosh, there's so many times of I really said some really hurtful things to people in the name of grief and hurting and actually holding mm-hmm. your hands up and going, you know what, I really messed up there. And although I am deeply hurting and, you know, still was and still am sometimes, um, it's not justifiable for to treat another human being like that in the sake of grief. Um, you can be grieving, but you don't have to be an arsehole. Yeah. See? I've been telling you, <laughs> you know, as, as we've, we've had discussions about that before is that if you, if you don't have an outlet for those emotions, they'll come out anyway and they'll come out sideways. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're not deciding how you're going to process that and have a, mm-hmm. you know, a mechanism and, and people who can help you process that it's going to come out one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. What, what advice do you have for people who, who are going through grief as it relates to decision-making. I would think that dealing with grief is going to be one of those really particularly difficult times to make decisions mm. while you're processing that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think with grief, there's just, you, you have decisions from like the get go from when that person dies and when you are not in the right frame of mind, potentially to be holding those decisions, but these decisions need answers and it does not call for indecisiveness at all. So whether that's, you know, does this person want to be buried or cremated? And you think, 
oh god well we've never actually even had that conversation of what they wanted at the end of their life or am I gonna go when am I gonna go back to work you know you have to go back to work but when because if you don't go back to work you won't put food on the table and lose the roof over your head so then what you're grieving and you're homeless life still has to move forward and I think that's one of the most difficult parts in grief is that you know your world is collapsing not just collapsed it is still collapsing around you as you navigate through this world and you still have to make decisions but I think one of the biggest decisions especially in in context of today of kind of you know probably one of the biggest decisions I maybe had to make was especially with the podcast and and starting it was I could either have acknowledge that that summer of 2019 when my mental health and my grief really took me for a ride and kind of I could have laid back and let it go do you know what take me this is me now I'm just going to live in this despair and this depression and just Mm -hmm. this hole of grief or I can find a way to honor my mum because like I said she's one of my favorite people to talk about And I can continue her legacy and just continue honoring her and remembering her in a way. And I don't have to stay stuck. You can feel so stuck and kind of, I don't have to, I've seen it. I've seen it happen with people in my family and other people of, it's a very uh, slippy slope in grief. You can either go and turn this devastating thing that's happened in your life and make a beautiful life out of yours and, and, you know, most people you know you go through a loss and you think you know what tomorrow's not promised let me go and go for that job opportunity let me go on that holiday let me eat that bloody slice of cake and some people live you know take life by the balls and some people go the other way and they get eaten up by the bitterness of the injustice of what has happened to them and this is not me saying to them like you know sack that off and grab life by the balls because I know how easy it is to slip into that of going, well, actually, and not, I'm not looking at it as a, I don't want to sit here and say looking at it as a glass half full because there's nothing glass half full about someone dying in your life, but looking at it and going, I don't want to live like this forever. I don't want to live yeah. with this grief being this really horrible thing in my life there's more to this grief than just mourning and despair there is laughter there is joy there is dark humor there are revelations in grief like my grief has shaped my relationships with people and the way I navigate through my career tremendously it's given me yeah a little bit of a glass half full kind of aspect because you don't know when the glass is going to tip over unless you done um what's the worst that can happen i kind of think of life now what is the worst that can happen when the worst has already happened to you in a way and whether that's toxic or good i don't know but you do i think there is a real big decision of do i stay stuck in this despair or do i try to move forward not on because you'll never move on and there's a very big distinction between moving forward and on from grief but how do i learn to move forward describe with this describe grief? that difference so the difference between moving on and moving forward to me is when we're very much told of you know i see it all the time in, in news and media whenever there's you know a, a public death or whatever it means you know moving on 
And I think it stems so far back into just how societally we have treated death and dying of it is something you experience. And then after maybe a year or two, if they're gracious, they'll say, okay, time to move on now. Time to stop crying yourself to sleep now. Time to stop talking about them for one. Time to stop getting all their photos out at Christmas and Thanksgiving and honouring them. They think it's too much now. You, you should have packed this all up now. And for some people, it varies. You know, some will give the grace of a year. Some will be like six months. And actually, even in science and academia, in, in the last year, there's been this new uh, diagnosis that came out in the... Uh, DSM-5 which I believe is in in the states of the DSM-5 it's like the the bible of all diagnoses and it's um prolonged grief disorder and it caused an absolute upheaval in the online community because they very much we very much feel like this pathologizing grief of like putting an expiration date on grief and the, the, the key factors in this diagnosis was okay, between six months and one year, you should have stopped doing all of this. And it has pros and cons, but it again feeds into the, after this, you should be moving on. But actually, when we change the narrative and we look of, well, actually, even just in the terms of terminology of saying moving forward with it, because when we say that, it's it's allowing and giving people permission to say, it's okay that you're going to live with this thing for the rest of your life and actually acknowledging you will live with this for the rest of your life, but it doesn't have to be it's this painful thing. It's not only okay, thing. it's inevitable. Exactly. It's inevitable yeah. of kind of, yeah, of just saying like, so, and that, that's kind of what I try to do on the podcast of give those kind of hard truths to people because nobody gave me those hard truths. I so wish somebody had said to me, Amber, babe, you know you're going to live with this for the rest of your life, right? And I would go, what? What do you mean? So in the next year, like, I'm not going to. And they'd be like, no. But I would have loved for somebody to have said, no, you will still carry this with the rest of your life, but it won't be exactly like how it is right now. When you say to somebody who's grieving, you know, you have this for the rest of your life. It is a never ending project that can feel really Mm -hmm. daunting and overwhelming of like, what do you mean? Because to them grief is this really big ugly monster that you know weighs them to the bed they can't get through the day without hysterically crying they can't talk about their person at all so for them they think I can't deal with that for the rest of my life but actually when people meet other people and connect and see that oh no grief actually has so many different layers and actually some quite good layers to it as well in terms of the joyous moments as well grief and joy can exist together um but yeah that's for me the kind of difference of moving on and moving forward is that moving on I feel like puts a bookend on it and says right enough now pack it up got to go whereas moving forward it's changing the perspective on it and saying will move forward with this and you'll have a relationship with your grief. People find that weird and they're like, a relationship with your grief? You're like, yeah, because it's a relationship with your person. Just because your person has died doesn't mean that your relationship dies as well. Like, I feel like I conversate with my mum all the time and I, I now understand things um, years down the line that sh- and decisions that she made as a woman and as a mother that I understand more now than I do at 19 years old because our relationship and our bond still continues. Yeah. I, I really like how you framed 
the difference between moving on and moving forward? Because I, I think there's obviously there's steps in the in the grieving process. You know, one of the things that I deal with when I work with people who have had a loved one who've passed along, and as a financial advisor, it's part of the process of dealing with somebody's uh, finances in their life. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I always tell them is, is let's don't make any irrevocable decisions right now. And and so one of the things as it relates to decision making during grief is I always tell them let's don't make any decisions. And it seems like there are many times where people want to make a decision. And maybe that's part of the grief process. Maybe that's part of how people process the grief they're going through is they, they will call me and say, all right, we, we need to make all these changes. We need to uh, close this account. We need to change this ownership. We need to change the beneficiaries. Uh, and it just seems like there's this anxiety around making changes mm-hmm. and making decisions that they that they it don't feel, have to it make. It feels when that happens, it feels like that's an effort to move on. And sometimes that happens like really early on in a mm-hmm. in, in that stage for for what I see also. Um, you know, people will we're I'm usually one of the first people that gets notified when someone passes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm I'm up there on the list. Yeah. You know, outside of immediate family. Sometimes people cry, sometimes not, you know, but they, they never are emotional in the way that they would be if they were just calling their friend. Right. Yeah. It's like a very professional, no matter how deep our relationship is, people, when they cry in front of me, they will apologize. They will try to not cry. Oh, I said I wasn't going to cry. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, Mom yeah. died last Thursday. It's okay. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it feels like when they're making those decisions, okay, so let's get to work, right? Because once we're done with this, then then I won't feel this way anymore. Yeah. You, yeah. Th- you think they want to get things done because there's a finality to it? Yeah, that, to, it totally makes sense to yeah. me because, okay, let's, let's just hurry up, you know? Do you find there are decisions that people must make during the grief process? Yeah, so even to touch on of kind of what you were just saying there about yeah, getting your ducks in a row after somebody has died of um I, I can very much relate to that of when, when our mum died, my brother very much took on that role of, okay, what do we need to do logistically? What accounts do we need to close? What accounts do we need to clear? And it was very A, B, C, this needs to be done. And for some people, for them to survive, what they need to do is just be doing something. Thanks for making the great decision to listen in to this week's episode highlight. If you want more of what you just heard, see the show notes for the full episode. As always, for the latest decision-making tips, find us on decidedlypodcast.com or on Instagram at decidedlypodcast. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter from the link in the show notes. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review as well. We read all of your comments, so if you learned some decision-making tips today, let us know. Until next time, this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.